I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Project Loving Myself podcast is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. We always say yes because we're afraid to offend people. But in the end, you owe it to yourself to create those boundaries. You're listening to Project Loving Myself Podcast, a well-being podcast that shares stories of self-love, mental fortitude, and self-discovery. Hosted by life designer and well-being coach, Sanaya Gurnamal. Hi, I'm Sanaya Gurnamal, and this is the Project Loving Myself Podcast. Join me each week as we navigate through aha moments, new ideas, and flashes of insight from candid conversations that inspire you to get started on your own project of loving yourself. Because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship that you have with yourself. You matter. This is Project Loving Myself. Hello, everyone. This is Sanaya Gurnamal, and you are listening to the Project Loving Myself podcast. Joining me on this episode today is Christine Dichow, blogger, freelance writer for various publications such as the Philippine Star, Business World, Preview, Lifestyle Asia, Metro Mega, and she's also an entrepreneur involved in a variety of fashion and retail businesses. But what's really interesting to me about Christine Dichow is that she's the first certified Filipino Conmarie consultant based on the work of Marie Kondo, who's not only an organizing consultant from Japan, but also the author of the number one New York Times bestselling book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. She's also the star of Netflix's hit show, Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. Learning the KonMari method inspired Christine to simplify her life and let go of the things that no longer spark joy for her. It has been such a positive influence on her space that she is passionate about educating Filipinos about this philosophy and sharing this life-changing magic of tidying up. Now, I definitely want to know more about this fascinating KonMari method of decluttering your life and space. So please join me as we welcome Christine on the show today to talk to us about freeing ourselves from the burdens of our past and taking only what we want into the future. Welcome to the show, Christine. Hi, Sanaya. Thank you for having me. So it's nice to have you in this podcast format because now I get to really pick your brain about, you know, this method and sort of how you got started on it and why you decided to learn this very interesting technique. So Tin, tell me how you got into learning the KonMari method and what made you start to practice it in your own life? So I got into KonMari because I remember it was 2014 and I was pregnant with my third child. And as with all nesting moms, you know, you want to clear up the space, get it ready for the baby. And I was, I was, you know, adding more bins and shelving. I realized that a lot of the stuff was actually adding more clutter 
into our space. And I said, you know what? This isn't working. And that was around the time that Marie Kondo came out with her book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And it was so timely. I read it. And I realized that, you know what, this is so different from what I've done in the past. But at that point, I was just willing to try anything. And so I really did everything in the book. Like everything that she she wrote in there, I did it to the letter. And I really saw for myself the difference. But it turned out, you know, like 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 a dream. Like it was, you know, something that I thought was, was impossible, was something that I could actually, you know, do myself on my own. So tell me something, Christine. For me, the the KonMari method is really goes beyond than just organizing and tidying up. So I know you were saying that you felt kind of hopeless, like this room is just never going to get done. And you mentioned it was your third pregnancy. So was there kind of that hopelessness, helplessness feeling beyond than just the room was it something that was going on in your own space and so it was like i need to tidy up this room so that i feel a little bit more in control because i can imagine like i have two kids myself and thinking about having a third child is not a you know it's it's not a small thing to consider you know and i i can just only imagine what must have been going on in your space so tell me about that what's your perspective on that I think you hit the, the nail right on the head. I think the need to uh, tidy up the space was also a need for me to, you know, get some control uh, over my life at that time. I think I just had my the second was a toddler then, and then there was this baby coming. And that time in my life where I was also trying to start a business and it was so many things happening at the same time. And you're right, it was, it was an attempt to put some order in my life. I believe that, yes, the cluttering you're fixing the physical space around you, but in a way, you're also trying to to declutter within, you know, taking out the mental clutter in your head. I think those are very much related. There's a study from UCLA that says that the more clutter we have in the home, the higher our stress or cortisol level. So there's a scientific study that supports that. And, you know, I also believe that what's going on outside in your life is a reflection of the chaos sometimes that's within and i think situations like many of us are going through you know with covid 19 you know with everything going on people are feeling more and more out of control people are feeling more and more helpless and hopeless and i watched actually some of your you did some igtv live streams on uh, the conmary method and how we could sort of clean up our our home and organize a little better during the quarantine time. I remember I made my husband sit down with me and I said we need to watch this because we were on a cleaning spree. And I think that naturally happens. You know when things around you are a little bit like chaotic and things are out of your control, we look for areas in our life where we could exert some control. And that sorts to that's that helps us to feel a little bit more comfortable. So we watched and then I uh, sat down with my husband and I said, okay, I'm gonna do this to my closet. And so I followed the steps. First of all, I made a lot more space in my closet, which is always a welcome thing. But more importantly is every time I open my drawer, especially the one that I applied the method to, I just feel like, oh, this is so nice. It is so organized, you know? Then I think that when we see things in our life that are organized, our brain just feels more organized, you know? So the clutter, I think, makes it 
more stressful, even from personal experience. I know you cited the, the study, but from personal experience, I have to say that that's definitely true. So tell me a little bit more. Um, so you, you applied everything in the book. What exactly did you do? Okay, so she has six rules in tidying. She says that if you follow these six rules, you'll be successful at tidying. So they're easy to remember. First is you have to commit to tidying, which means you will not try, but you will really commit to doing it. Next is you have to imagine your ideal life. So in a way, it's like manifesting, like you're imagining what the space will look like, how you will feel, how, you know, how life will go as you live in your uh, clean, clutter-free home. And then uh, the third is you have to let go, the third rule. You really can't just say, you know, I'm keeping everything, everything has to stay. You have to learn to let go of things. Fourth rule is you have to tidy by category, which was life-changing for me because I used to always tidy by room, you know, by area. And she was saying, no, don't tidy by area, tidy by category. And those are clothes, books, paper, kimono or miscellaneous, and finally sentimental. Now, the fifth rule is you have to follow the right order. So you really have to go start with clothes and then your books and then paper and then miscellaneous and finally sentimental. And that's but because why? sentimental. Yes, because sentimental is the hardest to let go of. But and why clothes? Clothes. Why, clothes? why books? And, you know, there must be something more. That I get the sentimental. You know, if we do the sentimental, then... We're just going to be, you know, stuck there. Forever, yeah. How about everything okay. else? How is that order created? She says that, you know, she developed this method through trial and error. And she realized that, you know, the easiest thing to let go of for people is their clothes. Because one, you're always seeing them. Like you're opening your closet how many times a day? Because you have to change your clothes. And you see your clothes and you can be objective about them. Say, you know, there's a stain or there's a hole or this doesn't fit. So there are more objective reasons. And another reason she says is because clothes are um, something we wear. They're close to our hearts. And so there's, again, I guess a, a stronger connection. You can, you can you know, you wear them and there's, there's something that, something about clothes that makes it easier to, you know, to let go of because you, you, you can be objective about it. I mean, most people are not clothes horses who, who collect everything, right? So most people, they, they see clothes as a utility, as something they have to wear so that they don't go out, you know, in their underwear. And so, yeah, she says start with clothes and then your books. Books because I guess books are harder to let go of than clothes. And then paper because, you know, so it's like a degree of, of uh, difficulty, I guess. So you start with the easy ones and then you progress to the harder ones. Okay, that actually makes a lot more sense uh, when you explain it that way. So yeah. you did that. You tidied your space. Mm -hmm. And did you do your entire house at once? Or did you do room? I mean, I mean, you said it shouldn't be room by room. But did you do it for the entire house? How long did it take you? And how was it like? What was it like? Okay. So actually, the sixth rule is ask yourself if it sparks joy. And so I did all of those six tidying rules and I did it by category and it took me almost two months. <laughs> two months because there was really a lot of stuff 
it was just you know um something that i also didn't want to pressure myself like i do it when i could find time for it and i would make time for it but it wasn't two months every day so it was over a span of two months yeah i think it was also because there was that pressure of us moving homes also so that you know kind of sped up the process that doesn't make me feel so bad anymore because i've been trying to not and maybe i shouldn't use that word try as you said but i have been aiming to clean up my closet and i've been doing like one day a week you know and so i take one part like you know all my pants and then the next weekend it's like all my t-shirts it's as much as i can handle um you know but it's definitely a lengthy process but i do um i do believe that it's so important for us to do this because as as a theta healing instructor and and you know this because you've taken theta healing yourself we talk a lot about how when there's clutter around us and when things start piling up and you have too much stuff there's no space for new energy to come in you know there's no space for that abundance to flow into your life in fact one of the things that i teach uh, my theta healing students is that you know if you want to increase a uh, flow of abundance then and let's say you have like a retail store you just start moving things around and all of a sudden there's going to be more customers coming in or even in your home if you want to just change or shift the energy just move things around you know like move things around in your kitchen move things around in your room and it's nice to sort of think differently every now and then because we get so used to doing things on autopilot because we know where things are but when suddenly and and this actually happened to me my husband shifted all my you know all my products like all my skincare and hair and creams and everything from one shelf to the opposite side and i remember it took me a week to adjust because i kept reaching for the things on the opposite shelf when it had already moved and in doing that i started to pay attention to what i was pulling out and what i was using and i was a little bit more mindful and present in what i was doing so what do you think about that tin and are are those similar things that you experienced after doing the kanmari method and applying it in your in your home so yeah i think there are so many uh, parallelisms with theta healing and kanmari and i think i find it in many healing modalities there's really that parallelism it's all about mindfulness it's all about gratitude it's all about going back to our feelings letting go of what doesn't serve us it's it's something that i realize you know why this method is just as effective in in healing us because it it teaches us that you know if we are mindful and if we take care of our things if we are grateful for what we have the more abundance will come into our lives and you know you're taking out stuck energy and it's just so it's so amazing like i really see the parallelism like what you've been teaching us in theta healing and what i've learned in conmary it's really about letting go of what doesn't serve us and when we let go of what doesn't serve us it allows what we want more of in our life to come and you know take hold of our lives i think we all innately you know gravitate towards that um when when um when we see our home getting dirty and messy we just want to kind of like clean it all up you know we want it to shift because we don't feel comfortable in that you know i remember growing up my mom she she loved to collect things and then she would put it around the house and it doesn't you know it doesn't go with the interiors or it doesn't look nice but in her mind it was like she'd hate 
throwing things away. I think my mom was a secret hoarder and she doesn't uh, quite realize that. But I remember every time I would visit, you know, because I went off to college, I lived away from home for about seven to eight years. Every time I come home for holidays or vacation, everything that I've taken away is right back on the shelves. And I would just, you know, do the same thing of taking it all away, you know, making everything look a little bit more clean and uh, uncluttered. And then she would put things right back in. So I think there's a hoarder in, in a lot of us. And there's also that innate need to clean up. And you talked a little bit about that nesting phase, right? Right around the time where it's seven, eight months and when you're pregnant, you just want to clean up. You just want to organize. And I went through that with both of my children, right? Where do you think that comes from, Tin? Like, where is that um, derive or need coming from? I think it's more innate in women that need to nest. And I think it's it's really, you know, our, I guess, maternal instinct to prepare the home to be a sanctuary for our children to make them feel safe and and um, cared for and comfortable. Also, like we mentioned earlier, it's really the need to put some control in, in a space that, you know, we are responsible for because we cannot control what's out there in the world. And being able to control the space in our homes, make it a safe place, a sanctuary, is something that I think many of us moms can can relate to. I mean, we, we want as much as possible. We want to shield our children from you know the dangers of what's out there, and we want our home to be a place where they they feel safe, they feel loved, they feel cared for. I agree with that. I think what you said about it's it's really about having some sense of control. You know, I think that's really key is, you know, knowing that your child is going to be going out into a world where anything can happen. And I mean, anything can happen just takes on such a different meaning today, right? So we do our best to kind of keep it safe and organized. And, and like you said, a sanctuary. I think that's, that's a pretty strong word um, that means you know, or represents that that love we have for children. Tell me about this idea of sparking joy, which I know is is very much a um, an important message in the Conmarie method. So it's surprising to me, actually, that you know many people have been so busy going from one task to another that if they ask them what what sparks joy for you, they're like, "How oh, do you mean?" Everything sparks joy, or they can't really distill the feeling. And I feel that with this method, we are taught to quiet down, take our time, and really determine and you know go go um reconnect with the feeling of joy. And Marie Kondo says joy isn't you know, just hallelujah, the heavens opening. I feel so happy. It's not always that. Joy can be functional joy, like you appreciate a laptop that works, your refrigerator is keeping your 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 food um, clean and cold. It can also be an item that will give you food for joy, say a ukulele. Like you don't know how to play the ukulele now, but learning it, you know, uh, the idea of you playing it gives you joy. So joy can be many things, but what she wants us to understand is what is it that makes you happy? What gives you joy? They've been so busy, they cannot even sit down and think, what makes me happy? And I think that's the key here. It's really recognizing 
and getting to know yourself so that you know what gives you joy. You know, I really love, um, Tim, that this, the KonMari method is really all about life lessons. You know, letting go, spark joy, being thankful and grateful to whatever you're letting go, whatever you're discarding. Uh, sentimental value, the attachment. That's really attachment, isn't it? Attachment yeah. is attachment. Yeah. So it's almost like everything that she's talking about, which you've related to us, is it sounds to me it's so very spiritual. And even the process of tidying up, it's not something you do as like a group effort. It's really yeah. something that you do on your own time. It's very private. It sounds very meditative in nature. And that's how I feel when I'm cleaning up or cleaning out things in my own life. What you said about sparking joy, I mean, that's definitely something that I can completely relate to with the KonMari method. And that's why I really, um, I find the method so appealing. I think that we have lost touch with how we feel. Mm -hmm. and we do things, as I mentioned a little earlier, on autopilot. We do things without thinking. Why are we doing this? Is it even making us happy? And when I read um, a little bit about what Con uh, Marie Kondo was saying, I started to ask myself that question. Is this sparking joy? Like, why do I even have all these things in my house that I don't absolutely love? And so I went on a little bit of a spree and just started throwing things away. And there was so much stuff. You know, it wasn't even just my stuff because... I got married and moved here about 10 years ago, but obviously my husband, this is my husband's home. When I was cleaning out stuff from like a real long time ago, and I just started throwing things away. And honestly, I felt liberated. I felt like as I'm throwing these things out and, you know, it felt like I'm, I'm a renegade, you know, I'm so brave to be like, we don't need this. I'm going to throw it away. You know, we have like plates, like sets from like 15, 20 years ago. We've never used them. And I said, you know what? Even though they're perfectly good sets, I'm going to give it away to someone who's actually going to use it. We don't need it. And I really felt like I was just so brave and I was just such a rebel to, to take these things out and want to throw them away. And, you know, it was hard for people. It was hard for the other people in the house. And they were like, oh, but we might use it. You know, we might have an occasion. And I'm like, well, we haven't used it in 10 years what are the chances we're going to use it again? And so I think that just letting go, the act of letting go is such a powerful emotion. You just feel so free. It gives you that sense of freedom, you know? So I, I love that she really emphasizes on letting go of the things that are just not important and they don't spark joy, okay? Except I'll tell you there's one downside and when I started throwing out a lot of things, I said, wow, I have a lot more space now. And I started shopping more, you know, because I have more space to fill. But that's okay because you're filling it with things that spark joy now. Exactly. I started buying things and I was enjoying using these new yeah, things. Exactly. And I think during the quarantine, a lot of us have spent a lot of time at home. And so there's this focus on making our home you know, comfortable, beautiful, enjoyable, because we're spending a lot more time and I don't think that's going to change for a while. Yeah. So do you see, do you see an increase in, 
people, you know, maybe inquiring about this or people asking for your input, your advice, or even to consult? Do you see a shift since COVID? I actually have a lot of, of companies contacting me because a lot of their employees are working from home and they want me to be able to to teach their employees how to have a home that sparks joy because it affects their productivity, right? I mean, if you're at home and your house is a mess and you're trying to work, I bet you maybe a lot of uh, a whole lot of chunk of their time is spent doing something else. But if they have a space that sparks joy, it, it's a conducive area for them to, to do their work. They'll be more focused. They'll be more productive. And so I have more um, corporate clients actually now than private clients. But I do have some who would contact me and say, you know, I'm trying to, to clear out our space. What what should I do? So it's all done online because I can't do home visits right now. But uh, the biggest shift I saw was like more of uh, big companies understanding and realizing that as their employees are spending more time at home, they want them to, to create spark joy spaces so that they'll be productive even while working from home. You know, that's uh, that reminds me of Google. So Google, uh, I remember watching a lot of the, the shows on how the Google headquarters looked like and how, you know, they have these beautiful spaces and nooks and corners and hammocks and these really just comfortable spaces for their employees to work because they do believe that it increases productivity and focus when employees are working in an environment that sparks joy, as you said. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when I moved into work at home, so as soon as you know the quarantine was announced, I had to move to the work at home format. And initially I was doing it in our common area and I could not focus. And I felt like you know my things kept getting moved around. And one of my um, employees said the same thing to me that, you know, there were some changes in her family, in her home. And so she had no space to work. So she's working in the common area and it was really causing a lot of stress and anxiety for her because her things kept getting moved around. There was no privacy. She couldn't focus. And so my husband was the one who suggested, he's like, you know, we have a, um, we have this space. We actually have a room that no one is occupying. Why don't you turn that into your office? And that's what I did. So where you see me right now, this is a room that is now my office and has definitely increased uh, my ability to focus. But what are some tips, Tin, to to give other people who are in the work at home format, work from home format? What can they do to create a space that will allow them to better focus, to be more productive? Okay, so actually, it's a good thing in a way that work from home happened because it's forcing people to really look at their space and figure out, okay, how do I make this place a sanctuary at this time? And the first thing you can do really is to declutter because sometimes clutter takes up space that is depriving you from having a an area or a nook that will make you productive, that will make you happy. I mean, um, sometimes there's a corner of the, the room or the home where you dump stuff. And actually, if you clear out that area, you can convert it into your work from home space. You can make it into your reading nook. You can turn it into your workout space. So first things first, declutter. Find a space where you can create it, turn it into a, a space that brings joy for you. And second is really have a dedicated space. So yeah, a lot of people are you know, working on their coffee tables, working on their dining tables. But the reality is you can't move around the house 
if you decide that the dining table is your work area, then stick there. Please don't go staying on your bed today and then going to the living room tomorrow. So don't go around and, and you know, changing up your workspace because you have to have a dedicated workspace where you can, you know, train your brain to think, okay, I'm on work mode now because I am in this kind of zone. So that's number two. And third is really when working on your work desk, remember a work desk is a work surface. It is not the dining table. It is not a storage area. It's just something for you to work on. So just have what you need to work on at the time. Don't, you know, file things up there in anticipation of future, I'll, I might need this. Just, just work with what you have. Stay in the present. Be in the present. And I think if you stick to those three things, you'll find that your work-from-home situation would feel so much more productive and you'll be more focused. Now, before we get to the next question, we're going to be right back after this short break. I hope you're all doing well today. My name is Kara, and just dropping by to let you know that I too have my own podcast. It's called After 30 with Kara Erigel. I talk about love, fear, relationships, career, sex, food, money, books, and how life is so much different and oddly the same after 30. So when you're done listening to this episode, go ahead and check out mine. Again, it's After 30 with Kara Erigel, available wherever you get your podcasts. See you there. What you said about working in the same place continuously instead of moving around reminds me of something that I also teach uh, with regards to meditation. So we talk about having an anchor, right? Mm -hmm. So to meditate in the same place every day at the same time. So those are your anchors. And they seem to improve your ability, especially when you do this on a daily basis. You meditate at the same time in the same place. You know, you have these anchors that will make it easier for you to go deeper and deeper into a state of meditation. So it's pretty much the same thing. It's yeah. the idea of, of creating some sense of, um, of permanence, safety, yes. security, and also certainty. I think certainty mm -hmm. is a big one for today, right? Because yeah. there's so much uncertainty in our lives that finding certainty that I know this is my space and this will always be my space. Then the minute I'm on this desk, I'm in my work mode, yeah. right? I think also this whole work from home is challenging for certain people because it's very difficult to maintain boundaries between our personal life and our work life. You know, now there are really no boundaries. So how do you manage that, Tin? Because I know you're also a mom and you have a family and then you also have lots of businesses. Of course, you are also very busy with um, your consultancy with the Conmarie method. I know you're doing a lot. You're a writer. How do you maintain these boundaries? How do you make sure that you're able to focus and uh, not get maybe crowded or overwhelmed by all these different aspects of your life? So I learned to also Conmarie my schedule. I used to say yes to everything. I'd be like, okay, yes. And then I'd find myself double booking. But with the method, I realized that, you know what, that was adding additional stress in my life that I didn't need. And so as I practiced Conmary, I also learned to Conmary my schedule. And now I, I, I know that, okay, 
mornings, my weekday mornings are blocked off because the kids need me at that time. And the only way I can do work is, you know, after lunch. And so that's when I schedule everything else. I, I, I've learned to say no to things that I feel is not worth, um, you know, I mean, not, not that it's not worth my time, but if it's something that does not add to my joy right now. So I, I've been very careful in, you know, uh, just also choosing activities that would add value to, to my life. And I realized that, you know, we always say yes because we're afraid to offend people. But in the end, you owe it to yourself to create those boundaries because you're right. I mean, at this time, so many things are coming on from, from all over that, you know, it's, it's hard to stay stay calm and collected and you you kind of have to create that calm within you and that helps by also uh in your schedule i love that term by the way tin i am i'm going to really use that so we can pretty much conmary every area of our life from our homes you know from our activities from people i mean we can conmary the people in our life I mean, without sounding uh, a little bit ruthless, and I don't I mean don't mean to do that, but essentially discarding the people in your life that don't spark joy, right? I mean, you should be surrounded by people that bring you joy and that you know add value to your life. And I think many people also have a lot of people in their life that um, are there without quite um, doing anything positive, without being any kind of a positive addition to their life. Of course, we cannot conmarry our parents or our family members. I mean, I think that is just not, uh, that's a whole different, a different scenario. I think in that case, we have to learn gratitude and we have to learn thankfulness and we have to learn, you know, detachment perhaps and tolerance, acceptance and so on. But I think there's a lot of people in our lives that we could consider conmarrying in terms of, of surrounding yourself with the right people and definitely conmarrying your schedule, you know, really just doing those activities that make you happy. Because so many times, and I'm sure you can agree with this, we do things because we are expected to do it, because it's an obligation, because society says we need, we need to do it. And I guess what I'm getting also from the conmary method is maybe we need to start to question whether what we're doing is really bringing us joy. Otherwise, maybe it's not worth it, is it? So is your, is your house, by the way, always perfect? Like always fully conmaried, organized? I mean, how do you keep it that way, especially with kids? Okay, so the funny thing here is Marie Kondo said that prior to having kids, she was ruthless about you know, keeping a tidy home. But she realized that when she had kids, there are things that you know you have to accept, and uh, having kids, you'll know you'll 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 have to accept that the house will not be a hundred percent tidy all the time. So, just one benefit is my kids are aware of the Codmary method. So when I tell them, guys, it's time to Codmary, they they kind of know already what I what I mean. Yeah, I mean it's not a hundred percent perfect all the time. Like right now, my kids are out there playing. I'm sure by the time I go out and the the, the room will be you know the the playroom will be with toys all over the place. But what's great about this method is you have the technique and you know how to do it if things pile up again. It's not like something you'll just leave because you don't know how to deal with it. So if clutter um, adds up, 
you know that okay give me 30 minutes i'll sort it out and you know how to get the room back in its you know clean and calm state but does that maybe also create anxiety because you put all this work into tidying up you know you organized it and then the kids come in because i did that with uh, my kids uh, sort of play area and it was really just every time i would go into that room i would just walk out because it was just such a mess it was so disorganized and i like things organized as well and um i would keep you know talking to my husband i'm like we have to do something about this we have to figure out a way to organize this room and so it took us an entire weekend to sort through all the the toys and you know things that are broken and you know toys with batteries that are not working. I mean, there was just so many things that piled up. And finally, we cleaned it all out. I was so happy. And then the next day, after one, one time that they played there, I just noticed that everything was just out of order. And to think about going through and having to do that all over again, I was like, I'm not sure I can you know, continue to, to maintain that so what are your tips on that like how do we do we go do we do it every day do we go back once a month is there like a schedule how do we best apply the conmary method to our life so and she says that you only have to do the tidying celebration the tidying festival once in our life so that's when you really go through everything and you take the time to take out what doesn't serve you and only keep what sparks joy. And of course, you know, as, as time progresses, you buy things, people give you gifts, and things add up again. You have you know, additional stuff in your in your home that wasn't there before. And so you yes, you'd have to maybe tidy again, maybe because the kids are still growing, you know, they outgrow their clothes, they outgrow their books. I have to do maybe a one once a year tidying festival of their clothes and books every year. I think the day-to-day, it's become manageable because I think my daughter is now 11 and the youngest is five. So it's it's more, it's harder now for the five-year-old, you know, he still has his toys uh, lying around. But the two older kids, they already know how to return things back to where they should. So it's really just accepting that, you know, if you have small kids, it's going to be a challenge. And Hopefully, because you're modeling that behavior of organizing and keeping the home tidy, they'll be able to grow up and understand the, the, the benefits of having that, that uh, practice. So at this point, it's just acceptance because we have young kids. I still have a five-year-old. It's really just all about patience and acceptance. But I think you know it's, it's something that they'll model as they get older because they, they've seen us do it. And... They'll learn how to do it as they mature and, you know, uh, grow into it. You know, I'm glad you men- mentioned that, Tin, because it brings me back to a memory of, uh, from childhood. So I was, I was sort of an average student in, in school. And I remember, in fact, I would get into trouble all the time because I'd forget my homework and, you know, I wouldn't get things done on time. But I actually had a lot of potential that was not really maybe... Um, used or perhaps brought out, you know. And so in middle school, I would get detention a lot. But I remember specifically when I went to ninth grade, we had exams and there were exams in every subject. So it was like exam week. And I remember that something came to me that maybe if I organized my studying plan, it would be easier. Because, you know, ninth grade is like high school. Middle school was just like, it wasn't as serious. 
But where I went to school, which is in Japan, ninth grade was like, now you're in the big leagues. You know, everything you do in ninth grade is going to impact your college, you know, career. It's going to impact your whole life, you know. Of course, that's not true. But at that time, it felt that way. And so I remember that I started to put my books for each subject in separate piles. And then on a piece of paper, I started to number how I was going to study. It was like a plan. First, I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to do this. Then I'm... And it was very clean and organized. And the floor of my room right next to my desk was like the line of books. And every time I was going to focus on one subject, I would go pick up the books with that piece of paper. And I started to check things off the list. And I think that was the first time I learned how to really be organized and to organize myself. You know, because they don't really teach you how to be an organized person. It's just sort of something you either pick up from your home or it's your personality. And no one taught it to me. I don't know how it came to me, but it was the best thing that happened to me. That one, one week, two weeks actually of studying, I did so well in every exam. And that was the year that I went from like an average grade point average student. I think I was like 3.2 out of four. I was like 3.2, 3.3 in middle school out of four. But in ninth grade, after those exams and how I organized my studying, I hit a 3.9 GPA and I got admitted into the National Honor Society. And for the rest of my four years of, of high school, I had figured out the trick, you know, it was like, you need to be organized, you'll study be better, you'll perform better. And I ended up going to an Ivy League university. I went to University of Pennsylvania, you know, with National Honor Society under my belt and a really good track record, which is really just based on my high school performance. And I think this is also something a lot of people can take from our conversation is that we need to teach our children to be organized, to be responsible. Like we need to conmary our children, right? We need to teach them by modeling it ourselves, how to keep our lives organized, decluttered, meditative. Like all these principles of conmary can be things that we imbibe and show our children to live in this sort of better spark joy way. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think, you know, tidying is a life skill. It really is, you know, something that they can take with them until they get older. And you're right. Nobody teaches us how to tidy. It's usually something we learn from others. But we're lucky if our parents grew up, you know, tidy and they, you live in a home that's clutter-free. But most of us, you know, we just try to learn as we go along. Not a lot of people grow up in tidy homes. So this method is really beautiful because... It teaches us that, you know, tidying is a skill. It can be learned. You don't have to have uh, tidy parents to be able to tidy yourself. So it's something that, you know, even a hopeless case like me can learn and be able to change and shift my life. It's, it's a life skill, I think, that's very valuable. And as early as we can, it would be great if, you know, our kids are exposed to it. They might not pick up on it on the get-go, but it's something that's in them. And so maybe if they go off to college and they'll see, oh, I remember mom does it like this, or you know, it's something that they've been exposed to. So it, it's easier for them to, to, you know, tidy their dorm rooms, tidy their schedules, tidy their life. And it will also teach them to make good decisions in life because that habit of deciding, do I do me 
discard, sell, donate, you know, whatever. It's really a, a beautiful gift that we can give our kids. I agree with you completely. So, Tin, basically what you're saying is a clean space gives us a clean mind. And when our life is organized, then we are more organized. Now, I know that Mary Kondo talks a little bit about letting go of the past and focusing on who you are today. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Okay, so she says that there's a psychology to clutter. And the reason why we hold on to clutter is because we're either attached to the past or we're fearful of the future. And she says the best way to really deal with clutter is to understand where is that belief coming from? Are you holding on to something because you're afraid you won't get the same you know, thing for the, that, that amount or you are afraid that you, know, you might need that thing someday? But she says, if, we, if you focus on the present, on where you are now, and think of what makes you happy now, and what will support what things will support you as you move on to the future you will learn to just hold on to things that spark joy for you and and she was saying that you know like you said if you if you let go of what doesn't serve you you are opening up yourself to bigger opportunities to things that you actually like not what you think you like but what you really really want you know i just had like an aha moment while you were talking because i went back to thinking about cleaning my closet and I have things that I have kept for like a decade, which I never wanted to throw out, mainly because I spent so much money on it like back then. And I feel like I, I'm not even wearing it, but because I kind of, you know, it's from this brand or it's from this store. And I'm like, how can I throw it away? You know, it costs so much, even though I don't even look at it. You know, it's just kind of there underneath like my pile of clothes. So definitely that is one of the reasons that I don't throw things away. And the other thing that was another like aha moment for me is I hate throwing things away sometimes because I'm worried that, oh, it's going to come back into fashion or one day I'm going to have the perfect skirt that's going to match that particular shirt and I threw it out. And so that's a fear, right? That I'm going to regret yes. letting go of something. And so just with my closet, I am oscillating between fear and attachment, which is just, you know, for someone who is a healer and a well-being coach, I never thought of looking at my relationship with my closet in that way. In fact, I do pretty well with having detachment with everything else in my life. But clearly, my stuff is something I could perhaps do a little bit more of conmarine. So that was really a light bulb moment for me. Do you get that, though, Tin, that Sometimes you have clients who don't want to throw things away and who struggle with you that, no, you know, I really need this. And then they start convincing you and giving you all the excuses on why you should, they should keep it. Does that happen? I'm surprised. You know, sometimes I think, I, I always think, oh, no, um, I, I might have a hard time convincing this person to, to just keep what she, she really loves. But it's been so easy. I mean, I, I'm surprised myself. I feel like, you know, it would be difficult. But so far, because I think, the clients I've had, they're all committed to tidying. Like, they're really ready for it. Sometimes it would take me maybe two reschedulings before I actually go and declutter with them. But by the time they're, I'm there and they're decluttering, it's such a fast process. I've had one client where it was so easy for her to let go of her own things. But when it came to her son's toys, stuffed toys, that's when it became sentimental. Like, you know, 
um, her son was ready to let go of some of his toys, but she was like, oh, but that was yours when you're two months old, and this one was a gift from your grandma. And so it was sentimental feeling that crept up on her, and she couldn't let go of her son's things. But eventually, she told me a few months later that, you know, she was ready, like she was okay. She told me that eventually she was able to, you know, let go of some of the toys because if it was okay with her son, why should it not be okay with her? So it's really just, you know, recognizing that sometimes it won't be easy in the beginning, but once you understand that feeling of letting go and you're used to it, it becomes easier. So maybe it's not immediately, but maybe a few weeks or maybe months down the road, it will be easier to let go of things. So what is your advice on that, Tin? Because I'm also thinking back now to my, both my kids have all these like, you know, worksheets and art pieces that they've done in school. And at this point, it's boxes and boxes. And in the beginning, I would like put them up and, you know, but I don't have enough space to put up all these different things that they're doing, you know. And right now with the um, online learning, they're doing activities on a daily basis. And so I'm just thinking about, I feel guilty to throw it away because that's, They've done all that work, you know, and I, I want to recognize it. And so I just put it in a box somewhere, but it's doing anything. It's not serving any purpose, but I can't throw it away either. What advice do you give people like me? You know, I'm sure our listeners are in that position too. How do we get ready or become to tidying up and letting go? And what do we do with these things that are sentimental? Because we can't keep everything. Okay. So for me, I've, I, my kids are of the age where they can decide whether they want to keep something. And so it was funny because I was going through my daughter's artwork. It's just like, you kept that? So she 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 was the one telling me, okay, mom, you can actually let go of some of those things. I mean, it was, you know, she just scrolls to her. But there were some drawings and artwork that she made that she said, no, you should keep this. So, so I, I had her go through the pile of artwork and... It was funny because it was so re- re- revelatory for me to realize that actually I was keeping things that my daughter wasn't even expecting me to keep. So that was a good one. It, it really cleared up a lot of, you know, space in her art box. Another is you can digitize like some of the pictures that you really find super cute, but maybe you really don't have space for it anymore. You can scan or take a photo and, you know email it to yourself so it's always there so but what i learned really is sometimes just ask your kids are you okay for me to let this go because they'll be like yeah sure so it's something sometimes we're afraid that we might hurt their feelings but if you ask them they're actually okay for you to you know throw some of their scribbles and doodles away actually that's true when i was cleaning out my kids toy play area my four-year-old was old enough to ask, you know, and I kept asking him, Suri, can I throw this? Can I throw that? And, you know, he was the one who was kind of guiding me like, mama, we don't play with that. Or um, this is broken. Or this piece goes with that. And so he was actually very much involved. He actually takes after his father and his father is super organized, like super like, yeah, you know, he's the type of person my son has become like this. If he sees something that's not straight, he'll actually like, move it. And I do that sometimes too. I think I've learned from my husband. But when do you think it becomes too much? Is there a point where we're, you know, tidying way too much, or we've become too much of a stickler for that, maybe obsessively? Do you see that? And what are your thoughts on that? Okay, so the great thing about the Conmary method is 
that there's no set rule on how much you should keep. So it's not minimalism. She tells us that we all have our individual click points. So click point is, you know, something that tells you innately that, okay, this is enough. I've done enough. This looks perfect now. Like if I add one more thing, the balance will be way off. So it's very personal. It, it could be different from one person to, you know, to another. And you only recognize that when you finish tidying, when you, when you really realize what, what makes you happy, what sparks joy for you. And that's when you realize, okay, this is my click point. I'm happy with how this room looks like right now. So there's really no such thing as too much when it comes to tidying because you also learn to strike a balance, like what is enough for you, like what what is what you are happy with, the amount that you are happy with. And because you're, you're attuned to mindfulness and gratitude and, and understanding that, you know, the universe will provide when you need it. You, you kind of have this confidence that, you know, where you are at right now is the perfect place to be. So, Tim, you also mentioned this just now in, in what you were saying. And I've also read that Marie Kondo talks about having thankfulness and gratitude when you're letting go of something. So what is that about and how important is that when we are, you know, tidying our homes and letting go of things to maintain this attitude of gratitude? That comes from the belief in Shintoism, where everything has a consciousness. So they believe that you know, even stuffed toys have a consciousness and you kind of have to say thank you and talk to them. But in the end, I really think it's all about, you know, even like in Theta Healing, like how did this serve you? It's asking yourself, how did this item serve you? Because it allows you to understand, oh, that's why I was holding on to it. Because this thing taught me that stripes don't look good on me. <laughs> or this style of top, even if it's trendy, doesn't you know work for me. So it's it's something that it's really about, I think, understanding how a thing serves us, which allows us to let go of it in a guilt-free way. You know, it's easier for us to let go when we understand how did this thing help me? And then being able to let go because now we understand, okay, I, I am fine with it now because now I understand why this thing came into my life. Wow, I just had another you know, flashback and aha moment. So when I was young, I had a boyfriend who didn't live in the same country as me. And when we parted, he gave me a t-shirt. It was like his t-shirt and it was striped like black and white stripes. And it even had like a hole in it. And I kept it. And, you know, at that, at that age, I was really young. I was like, wow, I got my first, you know, memento in this relationship, but I'm going to keep this t-shirt. And, you know, when I miss him, I'm going to, you know, smell the t-shirt, except it did not have like any kind of a smell. So that didn't really, you know, do anything for me. But I remember that t-shirt. Now, fast forward, I had a couple of black and white striped t-shirts like a top and a t-shirt in my closet. And I just remembered that I never want to wear it. You know, like it's there in my closet. I don't want to wear it. I feel like it, it feels like I'm in jail, even though it's like horizontal stripes, but it still feels like I'm in jail. And I think it does not look good on me. And I still don't want to throw it away. And I just realized that that's because of that memory of that black and white striped t-shirt that he gave me. And this just kind of gives me the thought that I need to probably do a little bit of letting go <laughs> of that memory. It didn't, there were some things that maybe I'm not completely at peace with in that relationship, 
And so in my mind, I need to throw out that black and white striped t-shirt from that memory. And when I let go of that, I will be able to let go of these two pieces of clothing that I never wear uh-huh. and are, that are just taking space in my closet. So absolutely. Wow. I didn't think that uh, our conversation would spark this <laughs> much of introspection and perhaps <laughs> even healing in my yeah, own mind. Right? I guess we don't think about our possessions, our material possessions as representing you know, any kind of problems or things that we have to resolve. We just think of them as things. But I guess what Marie Kondo is um, showing us and you are showing us through your experiences is that it really isn't about the thing, but it's about all the memories and feelings and emotions that we have attached to these things. That's why we talk about sentimental value. We can't throw it away because we're attached not to the object, but to the memory, Mm -hmm. right? Like if I don't want to throw away my kids' worksheets, it's probably coming from a place that I feel that would make me the type of a mother who doesn't acknowledge my children, you know, that I'm, you know, throwing away their hard work. Probably it goes back to my childhood where I produced pieces of art that weren't, I mean, they were art in my eyes at that age, but they probably weren't so valued And that's why today I want to value every single piece of my children's work because I'm compensating for not getting that recognition or that attention in my own childhood. I think we just had a healing session here in this conversation. (laughs) Isn't it right? Amazing. You know, in a way, by confronting your belongings, you're also confronting and processing your own feelings, your emotions. And by letting go physically of the things, you are in a way also saying goodbye to the painful or maybe difficult memories that are attached to them. So it's really, you know, very, very much a healing thing, I think. I believe. And so letting go of the things that don't spark joy are definitely also about letting go of those memories, those traumas, those negative emotions that are stuck at those particular memory stages, events in our life. And I do definitely see that now um, after we've been discussing this. Now, tell me, for your personal well-being, Tin, Mm -hmm. is it it the KonMari method? Is it KonMari in your life? Does that, is that what brings you sort of peace? Is that what you do for your personal well-being? And are there other rituals that you practice for self-care and for personal well-being? I realized that it opened up a lot of avenues for me to heal because when I opened up my mind to, you know, to a philosophy that was something I wasn't familiar with and I saw that it worked for me, it allowed me to be open to different modalities. So when Marcy mm-hmm. told me about Theta Healing, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm open to hearing about it. And so I went into Theta Healing, I did meditation, I I do my Pilates for, for my own physical well-being. I mean, I'm doing a lot of things that I realize bring joy to me, and I really make time for them. So, yeah, I believe that when you take care of yourself, it allows you to take care of others better. You're, you're more present because you, your own cup is filled. And I love that, you know, there's no one modality or there's no one practice 
I, I, I do different sorts of, you know, I'm open to many things I'm reading about anything. And I think my mind has opened in such a way where I believe that, you know, th there's so much knowledge out there, so much learnings, and just bring it on. I mean, I'm open to learning and growing some more. I was going to ask you, what's your project loving myself mantra? I ask that of every guest, you know, what is that thing that you say to yourself for self-love or what do you practice? But I heard you say it, which is when you take care of yourself, then you can take care of everyone better. That, you know, when your cup is full, then you actually have something to share with other people. And I think that is a very uh, important message for our guests. I also acknowledge that you've learned Theta Healing and, and I see how the Conmary Method and Theta Healing, you're right, they go so well together. And I'm sure that between all these different things that you do, you are in that state of balance for a good part of your life. And that's what I'm hearing. So I definitely recognize that. And, and thank you, Christine, for sharing some really amazing information with us, for really enlightening us on the KonMari method and how you have invoked it in your own life. And I do think this is something that would really appeal to a lot of people. A lot of people should be doing a bit of KonMariing in, in their lives. So I want to thank you for your time, for being on the show, and for all the aha moments that I have had on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. And I love that we've uh, had this time to really talk about, you know, things because when we're in class, we're always, you know, just busy talking about the subject at hand. So I love that we are able to talk and exchange ideas like this. That's amazing. Now, Tim, can you give people information on how to reach you? What uh, social media uh, links or details that they can follow? And also if anything about your services, if you'd like to share it with our listeners, please. Okay, so I have a support group on Facebook. It's Spark Joy Philippines. So for those who want to share their own space transformations or if you have questions, like, you know, you have questions where to discard or what to do with this room, just uh, post it there. We'll be happy to answer. I also have sparkjoy.ph on Instagram. So it's where I share some tips and where I announce maybe classes or webinars that I'm doing. I currently do not do home visits because of what's happening, but I'd be happy to do online consultations. And I also do workshops and webinars for companies so that, you know, they, their employees can find the spark joy space in their own home so they can be more productive, more focused, and happier in their work, even during this time of quarantine. That sounds wonderful. I'm sure a lot of people would love to know more. We look forward to all the comments from our listeners on this episode. I know that Tin and myself are really excited to hear about what you have to say. And if you've tried conmarrying your house, your life, do share your thoughts with us. Share your comments on at Project Loving Myself podcast on Instagram and Project Loving Myself on Facebook. You can also follow me directly at Sanaya Gurnamal, that's S-A-N-A-I-Y-A-H-G-U-R-N-A-M-A-L. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts from this episode and what happened to you after you conmarried your life. Also, let me know if there are 
any particular questions that you have, anything that you would like a little bit more information on, and any kind of guests that you'd like me to have on the show. My Project Loving Myself thought for the week is really two things. Firstly, this is a quote from Mary Kondo. The space in which we live should be for the person that we are becoming and not for the person we were in the past. So think about that for a minute. Also start asking yourself that question. Does this spark joy? Does this person in my life spark joy? Does this item in my life, do these clothes spark joy? And maybe it's time to get rid of all those things that are of no value to you, that aren't really making you happy or contributing positively in your life. I know that I'm going back to my room and I'm definitely going to get rid of those things that uh, I worked on in this conversation, those clothes that, that came to mind. And I'm going to start doing a little bit more of Conmarine. I'm definitely inspired from what Tin shared with us today. Remember, you are loved and I will see you again on another episode. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.